Welcome to the Tulsa Music Stream. And now, your host, Scott and Jana Squires. You want the dirt? You've got it. Hey everyone, Tulsa Music Stream. We are live on Facebook, we are live on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, and as well, we will be on uh, all the podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and of course, Apple Podcasts. And um, I am Scott Squires, I am your host, and this is Janet, and we'll be joined with John Levin of Docking Guitarist. Yes, we will. He, he is already here waiting in the wings. We appreciate him showing up. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. Guys, make sure you hop in the chat room if you've got a, a comment or a question for John. We will do our best to get to some of those. Um, he, I, We've watched other interviews that he's done. He's very accommodating, very cool guy. We're really anxious to get into the talking with him about the new album and, and a lot of other stuff. So we yeah. appreciate him. Their last album, uh, two, uh, 2012, is Broken Bones. Yes. It was 11 years ago. Yep, and they have come back with a bang. And as soon as John is back in his chair, we'll get him on. There he's coming back. Yeah. You're all good. I'm going to put you on screen, John. This is episode 94. We are six away from the big 100. So thank you guys for joining. We are indeed. Mr. Levin, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're, we're privileged to have you. You guys are doing a lot of press right now to promote this new album, which I, I've heard the whole thing. I truly believe this is a masterpiece. This is Heaven Comes Down, guys. This drops tomorrow on Silver Lining Music. You can order it on a doc and social media, Facebook, and all their other outlets. Um, that order link is lnk.to forward slash doc and heaven comes down. John, I think you guys have had this recorded for, uh, gosh, maybe more than a year. And of course, everybody knows you have you have to do artwork and packaging, and it takes a while to get these things out. But how hard has it been sitting on this thing that I think Don has accu accurately described as lightning in a bottle? What a fantastic album! Yeah, oh, thank you very much. That's really kind of you. Yeah, I, I agree about the lightning in a bottle thing. <laughs> you know. You when that show, you know, there's no explanation, rhyme or reason for how or why that happens in life. And you, you can't, certainly can't try to make it happen. It's just, you know, is what it is. But yeah, we, we had it done. It's been done for at least a year. Um, most of it was the product of COVID, you know, in terms of wh when we did it. Um, and, and it really, it, it because of the COVID pandemic, it, it altered how we normally do things. Like, you know, look, in the past, Don, you know, used to live here in Los Angeles and we lived fairly close together so we would collaborate and i'd go to his place and we'd write and have dinner and work you know yeah um but it, with the COVID thing like it just put it put everything upside down and and we knew we wanted to to move forward so you had to you know i worked independently he worked independently we email each other ideas and you know that's how we did this one and it wasn't until after the vaccine came that he was able to come out here and i played him a whole bunch of stuff and when we did it like that Right. And yep. that, that kind of answers my next question. I was curious about the doc and writing process. Would you say in general, it maybe it's different with every every song, every circumstance, but does it typically start off with with an idea that Don has and then he kicks it over to you and you further develop it into a more finished song? Um, with us, it goes both directions. I write in my own tracks usually and send it to him. And then he has his ideas and sends them to me. OK. Um, on this one, for example, like, uh, and then there was a um, Santa Fe, which he did independently. Um, uh, like a Rose was a track he had from years ago that he sent to me. We were actually going to use it on the last one, um, and I talked him out of it. I said, you know, hold this one, and, and, and we'll work on it for the next one. Right. Um, and that one I rewrote. The rest of the tracks I stemmed from tracks that I demoed here in my studio, mm -hmm. and then came out. And, and, and like, the great thing about, you know, we, Frankly, we have like a wonderful writing chemistry together, you know, and, um, and I don't know if it's just because we've worked together for so long, but, you know, Don, Don's a wonderful talent. You know, people don't realize he, he's far more than just a, an average, you know, musician, you know, yes. and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, he came out here, I think, three times 
So, you know, frankly, the way both of us are, most of during the day we're running around doing nonsense and going to Guitar Center trying to get a mic going or whatever. So mm -hmm. we don't usually until nighttime. So then, um, you know, for I, I play a track for him. I said, you know, for example, I had like um, Over the Mountain, which came out yesterday, mm -hmm. yep. and Grace. I wasn't even going to play those two for him. I thought they were throwaways. I, I like them, but I didn't – I don't – when I say throwaway, I, I didn't think they were right for docket, you know. So I said to him, like, Don, I got these two. You want to hear them quick and we can move on. And I don't think they're right. So I played over the mound for him. He's like, stop, stop, played again. And he had a mic up. I had, you know, we, we got a mic going on in my studio here, you know, at the same time in case he had an idea. So I figured, let me just hit record. And, and um, he's like, he just started singing the opening line, you know. Mm. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, you like this one? He's like, I love it. It sounds like Thin Lizzy. So, so that one, you know, came from what I thought was the left left field, and yeah. you know, and, and uh, I really think this it's, it, it came out great. But other ones came over a period of time. Um, Gypsy and Fugitive, I demoed here. Um, the, the the Fugitive riff I actually wrote in an airplane, hmm. I think on a gig, and I had no way to record it. So, because you know, what am I going to do? I'm on the plane, but I kept it in my head. And then I got off the plane and I got my hand held out and I sung it into the handheld. Um, and then that one I demoed during COVID and, and, and the Gypsy track I demoed during COVID. I sent those to him and the, the Fugitive one, um, he came here and I played it for him. And that was another one I, I spun for him and he just started singing it. Mm -hmm. he, um, right, right from the bat. I'm a fugitive from life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I stop. I'm like, Don, that's freaking amazing, man. Yeah. Killer. Yeah, so cool. I don't know if he realized it was killer. I thought I think he might have been a little more lukewarm on that one hmm. initially. I think, um, but he he largely finished the lyrics and melodies for that track off the cuff. Wow! Wow! Yeah. What? Well, yeah. This is the thirteenth studio album. It drops tomorrow. Big day tomorrow for you guys. Yeah. Um, this was engineered by Bill Palmer and mixed by Kevin Shirley, who's done amazing, amazing, amazing work with Iron Maiden, Black Crows, Aerosmith. Uh, what was it like working with those two gentlemen? And um, how did they push you or did they push you? Uh, you know, it was incredible because I, 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 Bill's wonderful. I didn't get to meet him until after the record was done because of the COVID. Oh, wow. Talk over the phone, you know. And he, he, he just really had a good sense of what we are. You know what I'm saying? Yes. At, at Dokken, like, like I feel like with what, what Dokken is, it's its own, and its own, it's its own element. And um, if for people who don't really know the, know the catalog or the history, um, that could be somewhat concerning to work with someone like that because right. th then you start thinking like, wait a second, you know, uh-oh, I don't know if this one gets us, you know. But he did. And it was really easy to talk to him and ex express, you know, my ideas and vice versa. So it was great working with him. Kevin Shirley was also great to work. You know, with Kevin, he's in Australia. So um, that was also a lot different than we usually do things. Because with mixing, this is the first time we've ever done it via correspondence, you know. Um, and Kevin also mixed. One day he... Uh, he Skyped me like we are. So I was able to see the studio. It's like, want to see the studio? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so he was showing me. But, you know, he mixes old school on an actual console. I think he has a Neve. Wow. And um, it's great because they sound incredible. But it also means, like, when you do the mix, you, you really got to nail the mix. Because once it's off the board, it's it's done. Right. Unless if you want to. In, in other words, it's not like just like a a pro tool session where you can recall it and here it is. This is what we had. What do you want to fix? You know what I mean? And do it in five minutes. He, he would, if you have to recall something, he's got to put all the settings back. Remember how we had all the plugins, the outboard gear. I mean, we're talking like a hybrid of today's world and what things were in the eighties. So that, that, that's how he works, which was really remarkable. I don't know that that many people still do that, you know? Right. You know, I made some notes about the album as I was uh, listening to it. I, it, it seems mature and complete, reflective and deep. I feel like Don's voice is is fitting in perfectly uh, in the music that, that surrounds it. You know, Don has alluded to the fact that this may be the final Dawkins album. What are your thoughts on that? Do you get the sense that this might be it? Um, after we did lightning lightning strikes again we were both like let's leave it at this one because we thought we had 
you know what I mean? We felt like we really had a good record. And so we were saying that then, then we did Broken Bones. And when we did Broken Bones, we were both, you know, really into the tracks, like the tracks sounded great when we were, we did that together really. And I would, for the most part, go to Don's house. He only lived 15 minutes from me at the time, you know. Um, and the track sounded great. Just unfortunately, it, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong on an album from A to, to Z. It has to go right the whole way. So as artists, musicians and writers or whatever, you know, we can only get it so, so far because at some point it's going to someone else who's going to mix it yeah. that, you know, you can sort of oversee and Don tries to do that and mix with them. But, you know, it's hard. And then it goes to someone else who's going to master it. Yeah. And, and, and it's just... For me, on the Broken Bones, I didn't feel like the end product due to really the mastering. And it's not that the person who mastered it isn't a great master. I just feel like it was mastered unlike a Dawkins album. Right. It was with this like ultra low bottom, and um, it really sort of bummed me a little bit. And I was honest to Don, and I think Don bummed about it too. We were both like, man, this isn't what you and I was sitting there listening to all these months, man. You know? But yeah. your feelings, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. That that that's that. So so you know even you know then it became again. Then we both got had injuries and we're both like, all right, this was the last one. <laughs> so now with this one, my feelings on this one are, this should be the last one, unless somehow we we can we can match it or top it, and and that's going to be hard. Because I, I, doing this one, I got to be totally honest. Like I didn't realize it was coming out. I didn't realize it was going to be as good as it was. Right. It was just what we're doing. You know, it wasn't like you stop and reflect and say, oh, man, this is going to be because you just you don't really know. You know, like I said, because anything from A to Z could throw the whole thing at the left field and it goes to, you know, hell in a handbag. You, you just can't tell. Um, but, you know, we had the opportunity on this one to sit with the tracks for a year. I've had I've been listening to these songs for a year in my car and, yeah. you know, my backyard. So. I knew they stood the test of time, you know, and that, that's what it really comes down to. Well, at some point, like um, when a song starts taking on a life of its own, in other words, when you start it out, it's just some creation you do. I, I don't know. It's just maybe it's good. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yes. But after a long period of time, when if they start, they start these songs started taking on like a life of their own. And and I think once that happens, that this that's, you know, going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. I have to agree with you. It, and, you know, just just the lyrical content. And, and like I said, it's it's very reflective. It feels like Don is preparing to say goodbye. Now, I'm not I, I, I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just saying it has that vibe. I, I think these are the best lyrics Don ever wrote. Yeah, my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I really do. I, I mean, I that that's I think they're the most I, I though he's a, he's I love a lot of the stuff he's done. But just something about this one, just, I, I mean, listen to the lyrics to Gypsy. Yeah. I mean, who could write that? The, you know, when he wrote that, I was like, you know what? What if you have bands out there singing about love songs and breakups and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we've done that too. Yeah. But, but God, what an interesting direction for a lyrical content, but for that Gypsy song. Yeah. You, you know, if that, average lyrics it could have been a throwaway sure yeah and and as as well as uh you know the fugitive video you know where you're taking him around and you're you're, you're seeing a lot of his past and everything and he's kind of you know og in the in the chair and you're like basically got the guitar like follow me dude we got i'm gonna take you down a little trip and, and the video is cool and you guys yeah. shot that in new mexico i guess it was meow, uh, meow wolf. wolf yeah yeah um, very cool, awesome. You know, the whole story of the Santa Fe thing. Um, Over the Mountain, you guys just released a couple of days ago, I believe yesterday, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a it's an AI video, I believe, uh, animated. Uh, tells a little bit that you know the cool thing about that video, you're the only one in it. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, it, there was different renditions of that. Frankly, I wasn't as involved in the videos, the, okay. the cartoon. Um, there's always a tight time frame for those, and you know it, it, they are what they are. We are doing a bunch of live videos. We just shot four live videos just this past weekend, all in one day. Wow! So, yeah, it was tiring. Um, you, you know, 
I don't know. It was Don's decision. He uh, he emailed me. He's like, you want to you stay in this? He liked it. I'm like, do whatever you feel like. You like it, keep it in it, man. Right. So, I, had a, I had a Dawkin fan, um, you know, they knew that we were going to be um, doing an interview with you tonight. And he actually sent me a, a message, which I thought was cool. We already had a sneak peek of the album, so we already know the answer to this. But I thought it was a kind of a cool because um, you did bring up Lightning Strikes again, uh, which I love that album. Oasis is one of my favorite songs on that album. And uh, he says, here's a question for John Levin. Is the same song or just the same title used twice? Oddly enough, both are track eight. One is, uh, you know, from Lightning Strikes Again from 2008, the other uh, on the new album. I believe that's the I Remember track. Yeah. I got to tell you, um, I didn't even perceive that there was another song called I Remember. <laughs> I don't know that Don did either. He, he um, when he, that was another track I had here that he sang here and made the lyrics up. Had I thought that, I would have said, hey man, I think we, we got a song called I Remember. Or, but does it really even matter? The, the songs totally don't correlate to each other. They don't sound alike. Um, so I guess my my feeling of that is, eh, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't it doesn't like diminish in it the lyrical content or the melody he wrote. You know, at all. Well, both songs are both songs are uh, great. Yeah. Right. Doesn't they don't correlate? But but getting back to the to the video, like the the meow wolf thing. That was a trip because. You know, we're not actors. I'm a guitar player and Don's a singer. You know, we're not actors. We're not trying to be actors. But, you know, sometimes you have to really trust in, in a direction with the director. We had a great director for that, Chris Ayer. He does uh, Dark Winds for AMC. You know, mm. really, really great guy. But th that's one of those things where you, you trust in the person telling you what to do and hope that you don't come out looking like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Right. Some of the things they were asking me to do, I, I just, you know, I, I just do. I'm a team player, so I'll just do whatever they ask me to do, you know. Sure. So, um, l luckily, looking at that back, it seems to be okay, you know. Because you know, from the beginning scene, when I'm playing to him, I'm like, man, is anyone going to really understand what's going on here? It's just, it's just weird. Oh, we, we think it's fantastic. We really love it. One thing that's important to us on this show is to involve our viewers. That's one reason we go on live. And we've got numerous comments and questions in here. I want to go through a few of these with you real quick. Jay Stabler says, hi, John. I was wondering what you thought of Don's Up From The Ashes album. And what would you like to play off of that record? I, I think he means live. Uh, you know, I, I got to be honest. I I'm not intimately familiar with that record. Obviously, I remember the Mirror Mirror single and Don. Don's played me some of the songs in, in the car together. I know there's absolutely incredible guitar playing on it from what I remember. It was Billy White and John Norm. So yes. both incredible talents. Uh, but but I got it other than the Up From The Ash, Up From The Mirror Mirror, Mirror song, rather. I'm sorry, the Mirror Mirror song. Mm -hmm. I can't top of my head name much more of that album but i know it's a great album because yes. i have heard, i know it was produced fantastically well and um yeah so sorry mm -hmm. I, I can't fully answer that one no that's fine jay also said he thinks that you fit doc in perfectly so glad you joined the band back when you did i definitely agree with that patricia davis says i love gypsy great songs on this album um let's see we have a comment from dan elzenrath he says, Don said there were more tracks recorded than on this new album. Could these make up a new Dokken album in the future? You, you kind of already addressed some of your yeah. thoughts on that. Um, yeah, four more that the record company, they only wanted to put on the ones that are on, that are coming on the album. So I, I, I think the plan was to release some of them as uh, bonus tracks. Ah, okay. So who knows? I mean, they definitely have extra fuel in the fire if they want, you know, but I don't. When it comes to that, that's up to, you know, right. label. You know, you were bringing up um, not being an actor, but uh, you were in a commercial with uh, <laughs> <in> the net <laughs> with the Norton virus right. thing and then the chicken. Right. I actually wa looked at that today and I thought, I just, I was like, wow, I haven't seen that, that one in a hot minute. Yeah. I, but, I uh, forgot about that. Yes, I am an actor then. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of, uh, movies and acting and everything uh, Don has uh, recently uh, said something about a doc and Netflix uh, movie coming out and um, I, I don't know if you know much about it but if you do that would be cool to hear uh, some insight 
don't know anything about that one. <laughs> I'm okay. sure I'll find it though. You know, we had the privilege of having Dawn on a couple months ago. And to my knowledge, we were one of the first to, to get him on in this latest, you know, slew of kind of a, a media blitz that you guys have been doing. And I have to tell you, you know, that was the first time that we've seen his right hand up close and he showed it to us on the camera. It, it was uh, it was hard to see that it was hard. You know, our hearts were sad yeah. because, as you said, Don is so beloved. He's such a yeah. talent. Uh, that episode is our highest viewed episode on YouTube. Um, I wanted to ask you this, and I totally understand if you can't make a lot of comments about this, but. Don had alluded to the fact that he either was going to or was in the process of a lawsuit with the doctors, you know, who, who he said botched his surgery. Can you comment as to whether or not are, are you one of his representatives in that litigation? Uh, I don't represent him on that litigation, but that's probably something I sh should say. I totally time. understand. I totally understand. We just it was it was hard to hard to see. Yeah, but I, I Yeah. Um, two things about it. First, I'll say this. I, I, personally, like, Don's just, like, one of the greatest interviewer, interviewees. <laughs> yes. Right? I, I call it the Book of Don. He's just got, like, endless, endless stories, you know? And, and some of them are so captivating, you know? I, I don't know how, how many you guys have heard, but I've heard a, a number of them. But, um, yeah, as far as the hand, it, you know, it's just horrible. And, and honestly, I didn't really say this early, but when I used to go to his house, Part of the way we would write is, you know, I'd play him a riff and he'd say, hey, he'd grab a guitar and say, hey, go to this chord here or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and unfortunately, now it's harder. Sure. Understood. Well, we definitely wish him well. I think he's uh, he's definitely got a good partner in you to, to lay out the guitar parts. For sure. And one thing that it was very. Right um, two of us together. He's like my musical soulmate, you know. For sure. And, and it's amazing on his fan base. Like. I was, you know, I've known, you know, seen Don and watched Doc in all my life and everything. And, and even to this day, the overwhelming love that his fans have. I mean, it was unreal seeing it firsthand. So I'm sure you, you get to see it on a daily basis, you know, or a nightly basis when you guys are out playing on how big this guy's fan base is still. Yeah. I yeah, understand. we're really lucky. And, you know, we have an upcrop of young people now listening to the stuff. And that's like super important because, I mean, let's face it, if, if you don't have that, then that that means inevitably like your stuff's going away, I would think. Right. Because it, it, it's sure. all the old. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I would imagine is how Led Zeppelin and all those other bands, you know, they have to have young people coming up, getting into Led Zeppelin. And there are. Yeah. Yeah. You can't garner that, I, I guess, you know, that means, yep, yeah, no good. Luckily we do. Let's talk about you specifically, um, you know, reading up on you, uh, no formal training. You picked up the guitar at age nine. Uh, your influences were Randy Rhodes, Eric Clapton, and, and uh, George Lynch. Now, my question for you is, um, when you got the call to join Dawkin, I have to first of all say, in my opinion, no one emulates George Lynch's style as well as you, but I don't want that to be an offensive comment because you're your own player in your own right with your own style and talent. But when you got the call to join Dokken, did you consciously tell yourself, I am going to try to mirror George's style so that uh -huh. people will think it's him playing? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> give you a, li a little background. Um, first of all, when I got the call, I had no idea it was for Dokken. Um, I went to law school. I, I was in bands in the 80s in, in Warlock with Doro, and then I got in, had another band. We had a deal in Atlantic, and then I moved to Los Angeles in 91 with another band. But, you know, the grunge thing, uh, the day that Smells Like Teen Spirit video hit, mm -hmm. all of this guitar stuff just went right out the window. Right. And for me, all I ever really wanted to do, so I felt like, you know, this is done for me. I mean, I'm, there's nothing, I, I, if there's no guitar stuff I, I, don't get me wrong, I liked some of the 90s songs. It just wasn't for me. Sure. Me. I didn't a band that played grunge. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. So I go to law school, uh, graduated law school in 96, and um, Tommy Henriksen, who's still a dear friend of mine, he's in Alice Cooper's band and, and in the Hollywood Vampires, he played with Jeff Pilsen, and we were friends. And then Jeff and I became friends. And then at some point, 
Uh, I remember I was in a suit after work. I went to my dad's for dinner. I checked my, I happened to check my office voicemail and there was a message from Jeff. Can you come? We lost our guitar player. Can you come play some solos? But he did, you know, he didn't say docking or if he did, I didn't remember him saying docking because if I would have heard that, I never would have gone because I hadn't really played guitar much at that point for a number of years. And so um, I said to my dad and like, I, I mentioned that, you know, I got a message. Yeah, one of my friends asked me to go play some solos. And he's like, go. I'm like, no, I haven't played. I'm not going to go. And it was all the way in Redondo Beach. And I was up here in the city, you know. So he, he looked like it was going to rain out. He pushed me into it, you know. I, I had no car on me or anything. So I drive down to the studio where they were. I'm still in, I'm in the suit, remember. So I knock on the studio door. Door opens. And then all of a sudden there's Don with, with a Les Paul. And he just hands the last ball out the door like this, like sticks out the door. And he hands it to me. He goes, okay, play. And I'm like, well, can I hear the song? Can I hear the solos? First, he goes, no, it's in E, just play. I guess he's thinking, like, this is going to be all of two minutes because what's the chances of, uh, you know, Jeff's lawyer friend being able to do that? You know what I mean? I, yeah. I would have been like, Jeff, come on, man. This is crazy when I have your lawyer. Right. Um, so, um I played two solos quickly. Uh, one ended up actually being released on this song called The Irish Song. It was released uh, as a Japanese bonus track, I think, in Japan. Uh -huh. right. um, the other one was a demo of Maddest Hatter. And then a couple weeks after that, Jeff called me. Yeah, we're headlining the Dallas Starplex in two weeks. Can you do this? So then, you know, that, that that's how that door opened, you know. Right. Wow. Um, you, know, you were talking about... Um, fly-in dates on on a previous interview um in your tour like a tour bus and house house struggle the struggles are real when you do the fly-in dates you know especially you know at this later at your later stage uh age your age now you know what are the complications for you that you see that you have with the fly-in dates as opposed to like a tour bus well, with the tour bus, you know, you sort of dig in and it becomes like your home. You know what I mean? You get you loaded up with food and drinks and you have televisions and a comfortable bed to stay in and you can all hang out and there's a kitchen. So it becomes like your home for a while. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, you could do your show, go back into the bunk, go to sleep and sleep as long as you want. Um, fly in. So, so but, but the downside of the touring thing is a lot of times you end up having to stay on a bus for like Mondays and Tuesdays when there's really not a lot going on, um, you know? Yeah. So, so there's that. And you're usually gone for long periods of time. So there's that end of it. On the fly dates, what's good about it is you can just sort of fly in and, and do the, the, the better nights, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday or something, you know, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it may be. Mm. Um. And, you know, I just remember when I was in Warlock, I was 21. And we, my first tour was in Europe. And frankly, I didn't care if they flew me in the cattle seat under underneath the plane. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it was just such a thrill to be on. Right. That's the record. It was such a thrill to be on the road as a young young kid that, you know, you, you don't really feel like, oh, I need to have good accommodations. Although we had great accommodations in that band. that was, We were fortunate. But still, it's like, you know, you just want to play. Um, you know, now we're all getting older and, you know, to be honest, I, you know, I do a gig now and then I get back to my hotel room and I'm like, oh man, my knees hurt and my back hurts mm -hmm. and but, you, know, you ignore it and it is what it is. You know, that's well, just you, how it is. You push well, through it. Well, you're definitely, you know, I'm not complaining in any way. Believe me. Right. I'm just saying, ask me and I'm just being honest that sure. when hey, you're 20, you don't feel like you don't have any things like that but when you're almost 60 a little different yeah i mean we're local musicians and just playing on the weekends man we get home and it's like oh my back yeah. you know it's like you put it all in there and then you get home and it's like oh my god advil i need some advil yeah. i mean we i just took four this morning so i'm in pain <laughs> It's just, just what it is, you know. Hey, but, listen, while we're but, talking about that, I, I want to extend a personal thank you to you. I do not expect you to remember this, but about five or six years ago, you guys came and played here in Tulsa at the IDL Ballroom. 
and I had the privilege of getting up on stage and uh, playing in my dreams with you guys. Yeah. You graciously surrendered right. the solo over to me. And uh, I, it was, you know, when I watched that video back, I, I'm, I'm having a good time watching Don kind of walk you through the rhythm because you're probably not used to playing the rhythm on that part. So yeah. I just, thanks for being cool about that. Of course. You, you did great. You killed it. Oh, thanks, man. It was a, it was a definitely a bucket moment, a bucket list moment for me. So it was fantastic. Totally. Yeah. Really, really. Um, you, you guys will be uh, Saturday, November eighteenth at the Whiskey A Go Go. Uh, I guess I, I, I don't know. I'm sure you'll be adding a lot more dates as as time comes comes by and and the album is released. I don't know. There will be some more dates, but I, I know your last few will be in like Las Vegas. November 17th and the Whiskey A Go-Go. What are your experiences at the Whiskey A Go-Go? I mean, that's like a, uh, you know, the breeding ground for docking basically on Sunset Strip and, and you get to walk in there with Don and everything. That's gotta be an amazing feeling for you. Yeah, there's so much history in that building, you know? Just, I mean, the doors played there, everyone's played there, right? Pretty much. Yes. It's every, you know, from the 80s era. You know, anyone who's done anything has played in there. So just the history of walking onto that stage is just, wow, really, really cool, you know. Um, it's not the biggest venue. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but still, it's just got a ton of vibe, you know. Yes, definitely. And well, it's always fun. Sorry, man. I hate the Zoom delay. We, we uh, you know, we interrupt you and we don't mean to. It's because there's that slight delay. And it, sorry about that. But I want to no get to a few more viewer comments here and then and then we're going to ask a couple more things and then uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up with you. Uh, comments here. Melissa Mumpower, I've seen Dawkins many times. Last time was in 98. I've seen videos of John playing and he does an incredible job. I absolutely love his playing style. Let me, that I agree with that. I want to pick your brain real quick about your gear. Uh, you don't have to reveal all the trade secrets, but what do you use, man? Uh, well, for guitars, like I'll, on the road in the stu in the studio, I have two different things. You know, on the road, I seem to like cycle through like the same four instruments. You know, I got or five. It's a black and white Charvel, um, the red, the Rising Sun, the red and black Charvel, um, this new beat up black and blue one. I've been playing a lot. Um, sometimes this black and brown one. So they're all like basically Charvel guitars. You know, so I'll cy I get used to one. And I sort of like to stick on that one I'm used to until it breaks or something doesn't feel right with the neck. Right. And then I'll look to the other. You know, that's just how I am. I've got to become a creature of habit, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't like to think I play, and if I'm really, really comfortable on an instrument because I play in it all the time, it's just easier for me, you know. Sure. No matter what, like, there's always a transition. I go to the next guitar, and, yeah, you know, two, three gigs in, I'm totally used to that one, but on the first one or two, you know, there's some subtle differences that get me thinking, and I don't like to think, you know. Um, and for, so for live, I, I just do rental amps. You know, I, I advance a Marshall JCM 2000. I usually advance two of those and four cabinets because the amps are getting older, and a lot of times, you know, I'm lucky to get one that'll work. And I'm a pretty good tinkerer with them, so sometimes I'll, like, combine amps if I have to open up the back chassis and mess with tubes to get one that, that'll work for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And on the four cabinet thing, I only use two, um, but sometimes I got to go through all four because there'll be a blown speaker or something's that another one's wired out of phase because the cabinets are old too. Right. Someone blows the speaker, they don't wire it right. Now they're out of phase if you go into two cabinets, you know. So I don't want to get too gear technical, but um, I, if I have two working heads, two good working heads, I'll use them both, and I'll, I'll uh, slave them together. I'll like uh, pick the better one, and then I'll, I'll slave the second one into the first one. Um, and on for pedals, like because we do fly dates, you know, I don't like to carry too much stuff to the airport. Yeah. And I managed to like I have a Boss pedal board. It's just they're so rookie, you know. It's just like this plastic board, you know, that you would get a kid if your kid's playing guitar for like right. two. But but you know it fits in my bag, yeah. which is a, a criteria for me, believe it or not. Yeah. And all I have there is I got like a channel switcher because usually the, the channel switcher pedals don't reach it all the way back to the amp. If we play in a big stage, there's a channel switcher, a tuner, a boss chorus, a boss delay, and a, an overdrive pedal. And that's the whole rig. 
That's let it. me let me ask you one more uh, yep. gear type question, or actually just sure. kind of a tone thing. You're getting some really wicked sustain on this new album. I play a Schecter, and mine has a Sustainiac in it. Have you ever do you do you use anything similar to the Sustainiac, or is that just yeah. are you just cranking uh, it? No, well, let's that's actually the answer to that's a combination of both. But on the sustain thing, when we did the Broken Bones record, um. I borrowed a guitar from from Fender. It was this Phil Collin uh, model PC one. It was like a done up one, like it had this uh, splattered paint job on it. Like I guess he painted it himself. It was like a Jackson Pollock thing. Um, and, and when they gave it to me, it was strung up with really, really, really heavy strings. I mean, I used nine to forty two, and this had like twelves or thirteens on there. Mm-hmm. And, and the it was like a big a bridge cable, you know. So, uh, you know, I was tinkering around with it and I played a couple of solos and and I actually got a couple passes that became solos on the Broken Bones record. And once I once I did a few passes on three or four different songs, I realized, uh oh, now I'm like committed to these really heavy strings because I can't change them. It won't sound the same. Right. So I, I ended up doing that. And um, I, I that guitar I didn't get to keep, but I, I ended up they ended up giving me a PC one um, and that. To answer your question from earlier, like in the studio, I have like a certain set of, of guitars that are my go-to studio instruments. That's one of them, that PC one, because um, if I need to get feedback, uh, you know, I can't really be cranking the amps up here at one in the morning. I I got my Marshalls in the garage, you know. Yeah. I raised the dead. It's so freaking loud in there. So. <laughs> I'll use PC one for that, and then. Um, but as far as like studio recording gear, I have a Dan Electro twelve string that's on. 70% of all the songs since I've been in the in the band, I use it for everything. Like all the clean underpinning tones are that Dan Electro. Okay. Um, and then I have um, I'll use I have this Palermo Strat that's on a bunch. I have a old Les Paul. It's nothing special. It's like the cheapest junkiest Les Paul. It's called the Gothic. I bought it in like '91, but for some reason that Les Paul just sounds really big, chunky, woody toneful at that that's the uh i used it on gypsy okay. that's that less such a um, great tone yeah i really am happy with how that especially like the the uh, how that yeah that one came out really good on fugitive that's my black and white charvel another studio guitar for me i use that for live in studio um and on that one and like a lot of the, a lot of the tone that's basically for the studio instruments you know i have a bass it's don's bass i'll use that when i'm doing the demos hmm. um more or less you know for the most part that's the bulk of the recordings are those. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an old Les Paul. It's worth a lot of money. And um, it's on a couple of things. But the problem with that is like every time I take it out, I have to be super, super careful. It's like you got to think, okay, don't bang it into the door. <laughs> don't bang it into the, to the console. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then you, you end up like this, just so sort of like stiff. Sure. So, but I, I so. That that's how it works for my studio stuff, and most of the studio sound on the album. It's all, all this tone I concocted out of this old thing called the Avid Eleven Rack. Mm-hmm. That's on every song, and on a lot of the songs, or some of the songs, I doubled it with my Marshall. So I don't know how when Kevin Shirley mixed it if he combined those two or if it's just one. I, I don't know what he did to to create the final thing, you know. Okay. But that's what cool. Um, you know, there's always talk with Doc, and, and and I'm sure you have to hear it all the time. You know about the re, a reunion. You know, there, there always talks about a reunion and with George and everybody. And and I know George is you know went on tour. He comes out on stage and he plays you know the last few songs on on you know a lot of your guys's nights and everything. And I know they went on that that tour in Japan. And and has, has there ever been? And Don's always had has your back, you know, in in the press. He's always had your back, you know, talking about how long you've been in the band, that you're you're his guy, and all these things. Um, do you guys ever have any kind of like a, a verbal agreement or understanding before like some of these things, like the Japan tour and all that, kind of go on, just to kind of ease your mind and, and some of your fears, maybe? No, I don't have any. It's it's. If, when the Japan thing came up, he asked me about it. I said, dude, do it. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, do it. I always encouraged him to do all those things, you know. I think cool. the fans liked it, and I'm glad they were able to do it. I mean, thank God they're all still alive. Why not do it, right? It didn't, you know, and I don't look at it like, 
you can like both. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, I I would not deem it as a threat. I mean, you've been in docking way longer than George ever was, and I, you know, again, you're such an accomplished player. I think Don cherishes you as a as a brother, you know, a, a friend and a brother, and uh, you guys are two peas in a pod. So I I definitely agree with you. That is no threat. We're we're friends above all of this. It's just great we get to play music together too. But I will say, like, it was great to have George for these gigs. I think that it was, you know, it was great for a lot of reasons, but it was great for the fans, you know, the fans loved it. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we did it. For sure, man. Yeah. I'm doing it too, man. Yeah. I mean, we, we were, we got to witness that on at, uh, in Key West at rock, uh, rock fest, rock Island, rock fest. Island fest. And, yeah. and of course we seen, we saw you guys at an, in 2007, 2008 at rock, Oklahoma. Yeah. I thought that was a brilliant performance at rock, Oklahoma. Um, he had the crowd going and you, you sounded amazing as always. Um, you know, uh, just great, you know, and you were talking about the flying dates and everything and, and, and with Mick Brown, I guess, you know, that was probably his last, you know, Stan was probably the, you know, Don was talking about how the flying dates was just kind of just made him go finally, just, well, I just want to put this thing down and go home. So I can totally see how that is. The brother of mine. I mean, I loved playing with Nick, and I love Mick. He's just such a great guy. We've had so God the amount of stories and ungreat times we had together is just countless, you know. But one day we were in the airport. We landed, you know, walking to the baggage claim, and he he, he was tired, and he just looked at me, and he's like, "I can't. I'm out. I can't do this anymore." Yeah. I, I thought he was, to be honest, you know. I'm like, "Come on, man." He's like, "No, I'm, I'm serious, man. I'm, I'm done." Like right then and there, just like he made a decision and never looked back. So yeah, he wanted to retire, you know, and, that, and he's happy. That kind of so. took, it kind of took Don by surprise, but I think he kind of expected it as well. And, uh, you know, you guys have just, you've rolled on with BJ. I, he sounds fantastic. There, You haven't missed a beat at all. Uh, I do have one more viewer question that I have to read because this guy is sure. the biggest John Levin fan that I know. His name is Richard Stazer. He says, does John have a fan's email or contact site that he actually answers and talks to the fans? Would love to be able to chat with him once in a while. Oh, that's nice. Um, honestly, I'm not the biggest uh, social media person, but I do. I mean, uh, can you do something like that on, on um, Instagram? Do you guys know? You're talking to the wrong person. That's the one platform I am not familiar with. Yeah, you can communicate, um, of course, on Instagram. Yeah. But, but you also, you have a, a guitar uh, teaching kind of a, a website where you, I guess, you give lessons out on, you know, your video. Um, if he emails me through that website, I'll get it because I have that, a web. goes to the webmaster and then he'll forward it to me. And that's johnlevinguitars.com, correct? Yeah. If he emails me through that, I'll get it. Okay, so Richard, you heard it here first, so make sure you do that. Yeah, and we were talking about George earlier, and I guess he just recently uh, has announced his uh, Lynch Mob final tour thing. Um, are there any uh, big surprises, maybe Doc and Lynch Mob doing uh, some more things on this final tour? Yeah, why not? We did a lot of shows together. It worked out really well, you know, so I don't see why not, you know. Cool. John, have you contemplated uh, what you're going to do post Dawkin when when Don decides he's done? What, what what are your plans? I haven't contemplated where I'm going for dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, right now we're sort of still going, so I guess just keep the train rolling while the train's still rolling, right? Absolutely. And I would imagine yeah. your your law stuff keeps you probably busier than people realize. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm pretty busy with that. But luckily, I, I mean, and remarkably, I've, I've been able to juggle both of these two careers for 20-something years. Sometimes it was difficult, you know, but it was but worth it, right? And that was one of the reasons why you had to uh, step step aside uh, when uh, Ira Black uh, filled in, or was it 2017? Yeah, what happened there, you know, it's so rare that I have a case that actually goes to trial. But we got trial dates, and the judge said no continuances, so we usually, or if you, I don't know if you follow what we normally do, but usually like December and January, we don't work. <laughs> like, it, by, like 2003 and four or five, we did like a Christmas run. We got a bus and did like 25 shows or something on both those Christmas sweep tours. But we don't, we never really worked in the middle of the winter. 
Hmm. And just for some reason, dates came after I had already committed. And, and Don's like, can you get out of it? I'm like, I can't. The judge said, forget it. I, I mean, I knew I was stuck. Yeah. Uh, so that's just the one occasion. I've done a good job of juggling because if you look at the track record, there's only been once that that's had to happen. So. That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, today's rock and roll, today's a lot of the uh, genre of the 80s, the good stuff that we like to listen to. You know, a lot of the albums, you know, they come out on Frontiers. Um, and what's interesting is on your first album, was it Hell to Pay was on Sanctuary, and then you were actually, Lightning Strikes Again, came out on Frontiers before it was everyone was jumping on Frontiers. Um, well, actually, me- Lightning Strikes came out in frontiers that was on warner brothers for america okay frontiers had lightning strikes again for the world minus america my oh. ex-us oh, yeah gotcha. but we, we were on frontiers early you're right you're right before anyone else and then it just became a big thing and it's like all the bands started going on frontiers um do you do you have any cool memories with uh, working with those guys or is it just kind of a thing that they kind of a Don thing and you just get in there and play and go do your thing? Uh, working with that label, you mean? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, huh? a, you know, frankly, I don't really remember. Um, my memories of that were more, I remember that Don and I went up to the Warner Brothers offices a couple times for dinner and we did some alive, we did like a live acoustic thing from, from the Warner Brothers studio. Um, but I just don't really remember what else we did. You know, that was like 2000, what was it, seven? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go back to the Doro thing. I'm sure you've been asked this more than 100 times. I got to put this up on the screen. <laughs> what is up with John Devon? Now, is this just simply a typo or did you go by that name briefly? What's the story on that? <laughs> All right, so here's how that happened. Um, there's another guy in, a band, in that band, Europe, and he has the same name as me. Okay. I think it was the bass player, John John Levin. There was so, you know, I, a friend of mine said, hey, with the singer at the band I was in at the time said, man, you can't, you know, there's, you're going to have two guys with the same names in two different bands. <laughs> and my initials D, so he's like, why don't you just switch it to Devin? I'm like, okay. Wow. So I did that one record. And then, um, you know, after a while I realized, so what? So this two, he plays bass, I play guitar. Does it really matter? Yeah. Right? Oh man, I would have told that guy to stick it. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so real quick, one more question about law. So you get into you get into law, and I, it's not you're not just doing entertainment law, correct? You're you're doing all kinds of stuff. But I do want to focus on the entertainment law part. I'm I'm assuming you've worked with bands. What are some pitfalls that you've seen bands potentially fall into, and maybe you've been able to save them from through your legal expertise? The single biggest pitfall I've seen over and over and over again is failure to have a band agreement. Because, you know, the music business is a business. So if you have four people, it doesn't matter if your business consists of, like, baking cookies, um, selling oil, <laughs> or, or, or building jet planes, you know. It doesn't make a difference. Of four people working on a business are four people working on a business. Like, it doesn't matter if it's music or anything else. So just... Typically, and unfortunately, with, the, with, with music, if you look at the history of bands, like how many bands that start with, say, four guys for their entire 30-year career, 40-year career, never change a member? Mm-hmm. Or no. I mean, it, it's almost unheard of. So the problem that happens is someone quits or gets fired, and now who's using the name? Right. And then now you end up with two renditions of the band or three renditions of the band. And next thing you know, someone's filing a lawsuit, a copyright, I'm sorry, a trademark infringement lawsuit. Mm. And it goes even beyond just use of the trademark. It's like, okay, so like you're, you're touring on the name. You, you, should, you should be paying me because I, I own the, co-own the name. And you're selling merchandise on the name. So you should be paying me because I co-own, you know, it just like compounds itself. You, make, you made a new record with a new guy. But you use the band name that uh, that I co-own to see it becomes that. It's just an absolute mess. And it's easily avoidable. It's like, you know, band agreements, like, sort of look at it like a, a musician's prenup, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know how it is. People go into a brand new band and you're in that honeymoon phase where everyone loves everybody and then it all starts to unravel. And yeah, that's that's when the legal protection really comes in handy is when the infighting starts. Right. No, exactly. I mean, you got to have it. Yeah, for sure. We have lots of comments here in the chat room and um, let's bring bring up the chat room. Yeah, bring up the chat room. Okay, sorry. Here we go. Uh, Melissa Mompower says, bless you, John. Thank you for all the music throughout the years. Uh, Dan Ellens Rath says, John, congratulations on the new album. One of the very best in Dawkin catalog, superb. Yep, yep. Thank you. Um, Here's one from uh, Jay Stabler says, thank you, Jan. Uh, This is to us. Never mind. Uh, (laughs) Tammy says, congrats on the new album. Sad to hear that it's going to be the last. Well, Well, we don't don't know know that that for sure. Hold on. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Gregory uh, says, keep it going. Um, music always should be the instruments from Robert Raymond. Lots of stuff in here. Um, yeah, you have, a, you have a lot of fans, John. We'd love to hear some songs from Lightning Strikes again. Any chance for Heart to Stone uh, or Judgment Day to be played live? That's from John Gazalu. Ga- Gazalu. Yeah, go ahead. It's fine with me. Go ahead. Oasis. Let's do Oasis. Why not? Yeah, please. Cool. Uh, Jay Stabler says, I hope future videos you guys as a band are in it. Um, out of the three videos so far, I still think Fugitive is my favorite. I would agree yeah. with that. You know, look, you can't feed a video where the people are actually in the video, you know. But just unfortunately, like, you know, we have to be realistic within. We want to put a lot of videos out, and it's expensive. You know, we just shot four more. So already now we're looking at having at least seven videos on this album. But, wow. you know, that, that that's why we had to interject it with some other concepts. And the label said we always the labels like we always do at least one cartoon video and they really wanted to do it. And, you know, it was cool. It was different. Right. It's Absolutely. Different. No, it, it's it's great. And one one last thing I have. And then we're going to we're going to promote the album one more time and cut you loose. What does John Levin like to do outside of music and law? If, if you have a free evening and you can do anything you want to do, what what are you doing? I'll show you. Ah. Can you Ah. What is that? Drone? Um, I build and fly uh, radio-controlled airplanes. Wow. So that... those, aren't, those aren't drones. Those are just like the old-school model uh, or, like you said, the radio... Well, I think what he means is those look old school, but you, but they're they're radio controlled. It's it's not like is it like a drone basically? Uh, it's they're not drones, but they they're the FAA considers them drones under the drone laws. But they they're planes, you know, and they, they're fast actually too. How many Real times fast. have you crashed one? Be honest. Uh, once or twice. But you know what? No, and anyone who does this, like flying, even if you're like a pilot that flies real jets, you know, and does this. Don't get everyone says don't get too attached to your planes, man. <laughs> wow, well those look awesome, man. That that looks like a good time. So if it's true that there is going to going to be a doc in Netflix uh, documentary, and you're in it, who would you like to play you? Uh oh, I, I, can you do it? <laughs> hey, there you go. I will do it. Although I'll need some lessons on he's, the guitar. Yeah, he's a, a front bit. man. He he can't play the leads, man. But yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if, if if it does come out, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's you know, true. Because you're so used to the same, like the the big bands. You know, the big ones. You got like a Queen. And, you know, you get to watch these. Oh. But some of the you know the cool like uh, the Dawkins and and stuff like that. Like yeah. when Quiet Riot brought theirs out or Twisted Sister. I love those documentaries. I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait. So oh, we yeah. hope they get. All right, buddy. Well, we're going to put this up one more time. Everybody, please order this. Heaven Comes Down. It is truly a masterpiece. Uh, from top to bottom, there is not a weak track on here. Ten tracks, they're all solid. Heaven Comes Down drops tomorrow, October 27th, on Silver Lining Music. Order it at that link there on the screen, or just go visit Doc in social media, and there will be a link to order it. We need everyone out there to pick it up. John, we can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you so much for coming on, and good luck to you and the band, and we wish you guys well, and we'll see you out there at the shows. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you guys. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You bet. Well, that was so cool. 
Man. You know, when we met him at the IDL ballroom, he he was he was great, and he I think he had his hair straight that day nope. when, I, when I first met him. Was it not was I, it not straight at, at the IDL ballroom? Yeah, the I first do time. not believe. Oh, the first time? Yeah, maybe the first time. I don't think it's been straight for a while. But. No important stuff right yeah i love the song gypsy i think it's a great song um over the mountain you know it's got a, it's a little bit got a little more funky groove uh feel to it yep but um still a great song don I, sounds cool on all of them on all of them he does um good stuff and santa fe we listen to santa fe Ooh. and basically santa fe is don's way of saying goodbye to california and i'm now over here yeah, um, it's beautiful. You know, he he called California his home, and and he suddenly and felt like he he grew out of it, and yeah. and and they kind of left him behind, so he had to go elsewhere. It, it's an emotionally deep album. There's you know it's not uh, candy coated shallow lyrics. It's a lot of deep lyrical content. A lot of a lot of uh, you know what do you call it uh, retrospect looking you can tell Don's kind of reflecting on things it's it's really great guys we really need you to go out and get it tomorrow heaven comes down pick up a copy order a copy support Doc and uh, they are fantastic um, what else do we have going on Scott I know we are in the process of booking more guests yeah yep. we are going to try and get um, Snake from uh, Skid Row. Yeah. Hope to get him in soon, and um, hoping to get uh, uh, Dave, David El- Ellison, uh, former bass player of Megadeth, mm-hmm. trying to get him in, mm-hmm. and a few others. So uh, just keep your ears and your eyes open um, on Tulsa Music Stream. Yeah. We'll have something for you shortly. Um, we wanted to take a little break uh, last week. Well, John, you know, was. We had a schedule with John, and luckily we got this Thursday uh, filled in with him, so that was all cool. I, th- but, I think uh, they yeah. had to travel. They had to travel. So, we, but hey, it was worth the wait. What a great guy! Super nice, super talented. Um, it was a pleasure speaking with him. We have to thank our sponsors, Psychoma Filmworks. Thank you for the new intro you did for us. It's fantastic. If you guys need any video work done, please email psychomo at gmail Thanks to DEB Concerts for their ongoing support of Tulsa Music Stream. Go to debconcerts.com. Stay in tune with what other cool shows are coming to town soon, we hope. Dustin Little is proof that Cowboys fans and Eagles fans do get along. We appreciate you supporting Dustin and his IT business. If you have any IT needs, call 918-640-0892 or email Dustin at okpc.com. He will fix you up with your IT needs shipmentphotos.com they take fantastic photos and if you need uh, your branding done right they are your people to go to shipmentphotos.com beautiful pictures guys you do great work Todd Cook is working really hard he's staying really busy at Identity Merch these days screen printing all kinds of stuff if you have any screen printing needs please call 918-521-5660 or you can email Todd at identitymerch.com you can also get TMS swag through him. Like Scott said earlier, make sure you watch us either live or on replay on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. We need you to hit the subscribe button on YouTube and hit the notification bell so you always know when we go live. If audio is your thing, we will be uploading this episode and all previous episodes are already uploaded to our podcast platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Let's see what the fans are saying. Stacy Pat says, Patrick Kinnison from Lita Ford would be an awesome guest. We're actually working on that. I, I don't think that one would be unachievable. Robert Ramon says, I want a TMS shirt. Go to our Facebook page and click our website link, and you can pick one up there. Uh, Melissa did did John say the name of the Netflix documentary or did Don say the name of the Netflix documentary do we have a name on that yet he doesn't even know okay he he didn't even when I asked him about it he did not know but it it's in the news okay yeah be watching for it Michael Chabola our good friend down in Texas he's in Santa Fe I think you're gonna like that song bud it's a really good one appreciate you guys watching um we will let you know what other episodes we get booked. We'll post that on the Tulsa Music Stream Facebook page. Be watching for that. Scott, unless you have anything else, I'm going to sign us off and say goodnight to these uh, good people. I just want to make sure that everyone uh, 
hit subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers and uh, hit the notification bell all that good stuff always uh share our uh our stream and and our facebook page you can make sure you follow our facebook page uh we'd appreciate that and um and we're also on tiktok and instagram and we you know we have our cool shorts on youtube as well uh twitter we're at tul music stream so uh thanks everybody for joining us we appreciate each and every one of you and we cannot do this without any of you so keep coming back and enjoy these interviews with us we, we we're having a blast and um you know they're not always perfect but um we do our best and they're always live and and um for the most part we uh do a pretty good job at it just having fun and, and that's what we like to do so. and we swear to god we don't mean to interrupt these guys <laughs> that's a tough one there is a zoom delay i don't owe an explanation y'all try to do this and you'll get what i'm saying it's easier said than done but we always have a blast, like Scott said. Thank you for your continuous support of Tulsa Music Stream. We will see you next time. Have a great night. Thanks for watching. Throw it. See ya. Bye. Bye, guys.